What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the City Champions Podcast, proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network and powered by ATB. And speaking of ATB, whether you're dreaming, building, or growing, ATB Entrepreneur Centers offer a powerful set of tools to help your business and personal finances grow together. Chat with a small business expert, join a community of like-minded Albertans, and get some valuable advice along the way. Visit the ATV Entrepreneur Center locations in Edmonton, Calgary, Grand Prairie, and Lethbridge. Or you can visit atventrepreneurcenter.com to learn more. This episode, I am excited to have on a real visible member of the Edmonton downtown community. Chris Harvey is a guy that a lot of you know and a lot of you love. He's a DJ, he's an event promoter, he's the owner and creative mind behind Church of John, one of the city's most unique and vibrant nightlife spots. Chris is an entrepreneur and a huge booster for the city champions, which if you know me at all, he's exactly my kind of guy. He's someone I see out all the time, but never really get a chance uh, more than a few minutes to talk with. So it was awesome to get to sit down and hear his full story. Hope you enjoy my conversation with Chris Harvey. Chris, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. We've got. I'm lucky. I'm lucky to have you, a long time listener, first time guest. <laughs> exactly. Well, this has actually been a long time coming. Like I, you know, in the two and a half years now that I've done this, I I am constantly kind of just mentally noting people that I'd like to have on, and and a lot of the a lot of the people that I like to have on are people that I kind of constantly like in contact with, but never really get more than like two minutes to be like, hey, what's up? How's it going? And so you were kind of at the top of the list. Cool. Well, thanks. I, I actually like. Um, I'm really proud that you're doing this podcast. It's it's a cool thing that um, maybe the next generation or people who are you know your listeners and things like that um, don't really know a history of City of Champions, and it's it's a huge compliment that we have people in our city that are uh, you know celebrating it like yourself or mm-hmm. people who are doing amazing stuff like a lot of the guests you've had on so mm-hmm. very cool well Thank thanks you. I appreciate it um, for a little context for me I don't even know how old are you I'm 38 years 38, old I'm okay. almost 39 38 yeah. years young you yeah know. totally I luckily generally look a little bit younger than my age so uh, I don't look like the old weird person in the club and stuff, so. <laughs> you still got a, a lot of a lot of black in that period. a lot of black a little bit of gray but yeah, yeah a lot of black so you were born in what 80 81 81 81 so do you like what are your formative memories of Edmonton like was was Edmonton a sports town for you growing up yeah totally like um grew up in the west end um there's I had like two brothers growing mm-hmm. up uh, I have a larger family than that now but um there's three of us within three years and uh so we're always playing sports uh, we lived in like deep west, right next to West Edmonton Mall, mm-hmm. and to keep us out of trouble. Yeah. Parents put us into sports, and that's what we did year round. Played sports and uh, loved it. We breathed it. You know, I remember like crying when Ben Johnson broke the world record in swimming. <laughs> uh, you know, and then I remember crying when he got busted for doping. And you know, it's uh, it's always been a big part of our lives. Yeah. And uh, I was very lucky to get to play sports all the way through uh, high school. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's really, really great. And, uh, you know, growing up in Edmonton and then moving to Shore Park for junior high and high school mm-hmm. uh, and then moving back to Edmonton pretty much right after. Did that feel like when you were leaving junior high uh, Sherwood Park, like, did that feel like you were moving to a different city at that point? Oh, yeah. As a kid, you're, you're immobile, you don't drive, like, the bus totally. system is shit, like... Yeah, my parents kind of <laughs> promised, like, my mom still lived in the city, so mm-hmm. uh, 
they promised that we'd hang out with our friends and stuff, but you know, within a year, that was like too difficult to connect everybody and driving, you know, creating a social life for three kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, on top of all that that's not, how do you worry about that like it's just yeah, parents have enough to worry about like putting food uh, on the table right totally I, I still don't understand how my parents did it you know my girlfriend and I talk about the idea of having kids and it's like I'm like well, our parents did it with way less yeah. and they you know sure like we're not perfect but they did a pretty decent job so. yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah well I like I wonder how many more accidental kids were born back then like you know versus, I, I'm sure versus all nowadays. of them it is. I'm sure all of them all so, the kids yeah, yeah. No, one, no one's ever ready <laughs> Were you the kind of guy like when you moved out there for junior high, like you're worried about your social life? Were you were you thinking like, were you more like focusing on the friendships you were losing, or were you more like mindset like, but what about the friends I could make? Uh, no, yeah, I was definitely like a very big introvert growing up, mm-hmm. super shy. Uh, my parents at home and in, in comfortable areas, obviously, it was a lot different. I was outgoing and kind of the goof all the family, but um, at at school I was just quiet. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I worked really hard. I always wanted to get good grades. Mm-hmm. And so when I left, it was just all these people I'd been friends with since, you know, basically my whole life, since kindergarten. And it's pretty cool. Uh, one of my favorite things about Edmonton is that as you grow up, it you can reconnect or it's a small town in a lot of ways. So you end up running into those people and you can rebuild relationships. I have lots of friends that, you know, I knew when I was in kindergarten, grade one, two, three, mm-hmm. and didn't see them after I moved to Shirt Park. And then all of a sudden, I'm in my late 20s or early 30s and we connect on a project or something or you know uh things like that which are really really great but uh yeah it was it was hard to let those ones up it was uh you know i uh i was crushed <laughs> but luckily, <laughs> but, you, but you recovered luckily my uh, dad had a really good pitch and it yeah. was he's like you can play sports year-round in in short park uh, in edmonton we can't do it so there, there's basketball, there's Boom. football, there's baseball, there's soccer. You guys can play everything all year mm-hmm. and uh, keep you busy and have lots of fun. And, and he was right. It was awesome. Did you have aspirations to be a pro athlete? Yeah, totally. Yeah, every kid does. Right? Yeah, totally. It doesn't matter if you're the fucking like, D squad and, you know, house, totally. house league. I, I was lucky. I was... I, was, uh, I still uh, might make it. Yeah. I mean, I, who knows? I'm, <laughs> uh, drafts coming up. I don't yeah. know. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think uh, that was a big thing for us. We, we were very, very lucky to have really competitive teams we played on and being in Shore Park actually was a lot of opportunities. Mm-hmm. Uh, my little brother played provincial basketball. Um, you know, we always made all the teams and everything. Um, but I was kind of bummed because basketball was my favorite sport and I was probably the least good at that versus the other oh, sports. So no. I was a better soccer player and football player. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I got to play with a lot of great people and uh, I think grade 12 was kind of like, I was like, okay, I'm not going to, I'm not going to pursue this further. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got a couple offers to go play afterwards, football and, uh, especially, and I just didn't want to take spots from other people that actually were going to do it. Wow. Like, uh, That's like a really like forward thinking for a kid. Well, I, I, honestly, I, I felt really bad because when I remember growing up and pl- playing teams and trying out for teams and getting cut because somebody else was in their last year or whatever. And, you know, I, it's actually funny, over the holidays around a tomorrow basketball coach, I hadn't seen him in 10 years. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Luckily, he still lives in the neighborhood, so he sees my parents and stuff. But um, Bob Lamru, big shout out to everybody who played for Bob shout Lamb. Shout out to Bob. Shout out to Bob Lamb. Uh, but he, yeah, he was. It was awesome to see him, and um, he was always a big supporter of ours. And me and my brothers playing ball and coaching us and uh, trying to get us in and and playing sooner, mm-hmm. you know. And he was the person who was about development and you know, like full team forward thinking. But not all of our coaches were like that. A lot of the coaches were you know driven or incentivized to win that right. year yeah. so put on the best teams that was and 
uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I don't think I was a victim in any way, but it definitely, <laughs> it definitely gave me a, a better foresight for the bigger picture and me uh, wanting to be able to move on to the next step and, and uh, you know, realizing, yeah, I wasn't going to the NFL. It's so unbelievable like, goes. how big a difference a coach can make in a kid's life, right? Like even in one year. Totally. It's funny, like I, so I was premiering one of our films down in Calgary a few months ago and got off the stage at the end of the show, thank everyone, did the Q&A. And this short old man walked up to me. He's probably like 5'4", like really short. And he's like, is your name Shane Fennessy? And I'm like, yes. Do you, and he's like, do you remember me? Um, and it just came back like that. I'm like, holy shit, you coached me in grade six hockey. Wow. He's like, I did, that's right. He's like, I was taller back then and laughed at me. But I was just like, I remember, I don't remember much about him because I was so young, you know, like 11 years old. Totally. Right? But I remember the way he made me feel. And I remember that he like made me feel like an important special part of the team. I don't remember if I was good or not. I think it was <laughs> average. Um, but, you know, and I was lucky. I never really had any bad coaches in my mind. But I just hear stories of people like with a bad coach or, you know, like, you know, coaches that, you know, like uh, belittle the players in front of the team and totally. stuff like that. And it can just impact people so much. Totally. And, uh, you know, we I think definitely in my age group, we were on the fringe of that, uh, you know. Bob Lamb for all of his, uh, you know, benefits and, and strong, strong points. Uh, a lot of people didn't connect with him because he was that type of coach, you know, and um, he was the guy who would make you run till you puke and you like put you down and, mm -hmm. um, and single you out in front of the team and, and do that stuff. But for me, I was very lucky because we grew up that way. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, we got spanked when we were kids and, yeah. you know. Uh, well, you were like, you're, you're raised by kids of immigrants, right? Totally. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And, it, and that's like, for me, I didn't really have any negative response from it. That was just the way it was. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I guess being the middle kid, sometimes you get a little bit of buffer on both sides. So, yeah. <laughs> so it worked out in my favor. And, uh, you know, my brothers are pretty awesome guys. Mm -hmm. uh, I love them to death. And, uh, but yeah, they've had different experiences with, you know, similar coaching. And I remember there's a couple of players on our team that responded poorly and, or, you know, did, it's not their fault, obviously. It's, you know, the coach and uh, us being dinosaurs at the time. And, mm -hmm. Um, that's not the way you talk to people. That's not the way you motivate people. And uh, it, it was really, really cool to see all these younger players come and stand up for themselves and be like, no, I'm not doing that. No, yeah. you can't talk to me that way. Yes, this is a sport, mm -hmm. but it's just a sport. You yeah. know? And, I think there's still like that. that whole purge of shit on social media. I think there's still a lot to come out with sports, right? Totally. Use sports and development. And, uh, you know, just talking to a guy, we're talking about a, a, a project that we might work on and he's done he's got years of research on sport development and specialization in sports how much money is is uh wasted on sport development or and all the pressure that's put on kids totally. and and yeah it's just it seems just like madness that people haven't kind of realized like they they're not going to succeed no matter how good they are no matter how much you push them if they don't love it totally right yeah and i, I think that's uh yeah, I think those are really, really cool things that we're getting to educate ourselves on and, and be able to share with each other and help improve the way that we coach and, mm -hmm. and you know, our leaders. Um, but for me, it was, I was really lucky that my dad always taught us, like, listen to what I'm saying, not how I'm saying it, because right. sometimes it's not going to come off the way I want yeah, it to. So, you know, well, you know, some people snap a little <laughs> bit more than others, you know. Uh, my dad's my best friend, but he definitely, growing up, he was a snap case for sure. Yeah. And, uh, it, it's it's part of our our growth and mm -hmm. and uh, I was lucky in that opportunity because I had learned that so I dealt with different coaches in different situations right. in that way and tried to really get down to like what they were trying to get us to do and, and focus on that and not 
you know, be brought down by the insults or, or you know, mm-hmm. the like obscene like punishments for for yeah. playing. For you can almost that. like at that point you can try and succeed in spite of them. You're like you're yeah. a fucking asshole, but I'm gonna play my ass off just to yeah, get yeah. the best of you. Well, it. for me, I was really lucky. I actually was just like, I'm gonna work harder. I'm yeah. gonna do that better. I'm gonna you know do that more. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it was fun. It was great. But it, it was a huge part of uh, I think my development and my opportunity to be able to um, you know play it play a role and I think that's uh, a huge thing that I got out of sports was being able to see the bigger picture have empathy um, and also be able to see where my best fit in this scenario not you know when you're on the on the field with like 12 other guys or you're on the court with five like four other players seeing where your best fit and you know making calls on the fly and, and doing that transition I think mm-hmm. that's that's really important to me and something that I really really took out of that where you know some days I was the best player on the floor and some days I was the worst so yeah. um, and more often than not I was like one of not the best so uh, yeah so it's it's uh, definitely a huge huge skill that uh, I took from it and I think it's helped me along the way do you still get out there at all play or, or do you work too much uh, I'm trying to get back to it I, I had a, a major injury uh, two and a half years ago I, Oh, what happened? I broke, I broke my spine. Holy I, shit. I broke four vertebrae. Two and a half years ago? Yeah. So I was, uh, my girlfriend and I were cycling Legacy Trail yeah. outside of Canmore. And uh, there was one sharp turn and it's like anybody who's been in it, it's kind of notorious. Yeah. And uh, I went off the trail and instead of skidding out, I kind of tried to navigate my way back. But you're in the mountains, so I hit a rock and oh, threw me man. over my bars and I landed on my back. And uh, yeah, I broke four vertebrae. I was in the hospital for a week. And How'd Calvary. you get out? Uh, I, I got up and walked to the walked side of the road. broken spine. Yeah, I walked to the side of the road. I thought I was going to be able to walk further. I thought I just broke a rib or something. Yeah. Um, and then I pulled you up. I just monster. sat at the side of the well, <laughs> My girlfriend was the champion that day for sure. But um, And uh, yeah, we I sat at the side of the road um, with my bike and a firefighter drove by and was like, called in that. Just happened to drive by. Yeah, it's, you know, it's a pretty common stretch of road. So a oh, lot okay. of people drive by. And me sitting there at the side of the road, I was I was pretty fucked up so yeah. uh yeah adrenaline was gone i was just like i was worried if i sat down i wouldn't be able to get up um so ambulance came and then took me to camor and then uh i went to foothills calgary and i was there for a week and then in a back brace for three months so since then i haven't uh i hadn't uh done a lot but last year i went skiing for the first time in like 20 some years and oh, it was real how'd it go crushed it yeah it was, fucking, it was easier than riding a bike it yeah. was insane you good skier I, I was okay i used to ski all the time you and should go skiing sometimes yeah it was, skiing. it was killer it was so good so we went last year and then uh, that kind of spurred me to play basketball again yeah. so i went and played a little bit of basketball this year and uh lower but lower body stress but mm-hmm. it's fine yeah. so I'm, I'm pretty happy i'm definitely out of shape and uh yeah so Coming back to the injury is so hard. Like that mental aspect of like, you know, it's healed, but like mentally trying to like push yourself back to it and trust it. Well, I think the biggest thing for me is that uh, I, playing sports for so long, you have a lot of muscle memory and you have Mm -hmm. a lot of retention, but then when you stop using those muscles, you're you're kind of fucked. (laughs) You know, when you go back to it, you go back to your jump shot and you're like, oh my God, I'm so weak. Or like, where's those muscles in my arms? And it's like, well, because you haven't used them. So uh, yeah, I think that's, uh, that's been the biggest struggle getting back into it but I'm really really happy to be able to you know soccer is the only one that I haven't I was pretty uh, aggressive when it comes to soccer yeah. so pretty physical guy so um, I definitely uh, miss that but that's the last thing I gotta get back into but everything else has been great it's yeah. been super fun to be Maybe able to play basketball stem cells jam back in that yeah, totally right? I mean pump yeah. that thing up get it back to like 19 year old back oh that'd be amazing <laughs> it'd be amazing I, I'd probably pick my like 
yeah my whole body to the stem cells in, but, but yeah <laughs> I, I think about that a lot like I, I think I'm 31 and I think about like what's healthcare gonna be like for for us when we're like 70 80 like we're I don't think we're gonna be physically in the state that 80 year olds are now like not even close like totally. just in terms of like basic nutrition and understanding versus 30 40 years ago right like I think I think our, our ceiling is a lot higher but you also see how like quickly these like stem cells and uh, PRP plate or PRT platelet-rich therapy, right. all that's coming in, and like, I I really think that we're going to be moving quite efficiently yeah, at I, those ages. I really hope that it's uh, just becomes affordable or accessible for everybody because it's that's always the thing is you know there's a profit margin that, that needs to exist. It always does, though, right? And luckily in Canada we do have pretty good healthcare, so I think that stuff is a little bit more accessible. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it's great, and you know even like when you get scars and you're able to like on a new bio oil or something and it's like yeah. helps you like heal your scar it's like it's crazy so uh, it is pretty awesome to be able to see now chick stick scars that's stuff chick stick scars clearly <laughs> last forever for sure um, well you know jobs like you and I have like we're gonna need to be moving right like totally. I don't know about you I don't really plan to ever retire like I don't see myself right. ever like sitting back at 80 and it's being like oh I'm just gonna sit on the porch and sip a lemonade and read a book like yeah. I like what I do and I know you do too so like we want to keep going with those things yeah totally and it, my dad's kind of one of the people who got me thinking about it I honestly didn't think I'd be living till 75 or something like oh, that okay. you know just it's that's what we grew up with you know people are just passing away younger and, um but my dad's like no I'm gonna live to be 200 and I was like <laughs> your dad thinks that yeah so all right like, all right so good for you and you know, he retired literally on his birthday when he turned 65. Yeah. My mom's like, we'll just work till the end of the year. It's the end of October. <laughs> He's like, fuck no. He's what like, he, put in, what does he I've do now? Years. He's retired. He's just what, like... What does that mean? Well, what does he do? He Well, he he's uh, taken on horses by more than a hobby. So okay. he, now he has two horses That's awesome. that, he, that he, you know, owns and takes care of. And, mm-hmm. and he helps out at the border and uh, that's a big part of his life and mm-hmm. you know we got a, a lot of siblings and my stepsister's got two kids so he's really super involved in their life yeah. and uh, very supportive and they got two new Leon Burgers last I think two years ago now so Leon Burgers? Leon Burgers they're like um, uh, giant dogs they're oh, okay. Great Pyrenees uh, uh, I think Newfoundlander and uh, uh, St. Bernard I believe so like let's see these like Bruin and Porsche their names and Bruin's about I think he's about 140 pounds right now oh, he's like six he's about six feet six two on his hind leg well yeah that takes a lot of work yeah he's big <laughs> they're big yeah like Porsche knocked over my dad last winter and tripped him and he broke his wrist like they're they're like they're beasts but but they're amazing in it so it definitely keeps him busy but I know it's uh you know he's a very spiritual guy he does a lot of meditation mm-hmm. and uh, you know different like uh, he he. Uh, practice Reiki for a real long time so he does lots of different stuff but um, yeah I think I think it is pretty cool that we're you know being more active or planning to be more active in the in the later years because uh, unfortunately for us and I think you probably have a pretty full schedule too it's just it's hard to make time to build those routines or maintain them it was nice when you were in school or mm-hmm. um, playing sports on a regular basis and making commitments and uh, I have seen I think Edmonton Sports Social Club stuff like that have been really really great mm-hmm. uh, to make it more accessible to play more sports and be more active in a fun way yeah. and not just have to go to the gym or you know deal with the selfie machines at the at the good life yeah do you meditate? Uh, no no? yeah I just mostly sleep yeah sleep's good yeah I feel like uh, when I listen to music it's a little bit of meditation yeah everyone's got something um, right something that like just 
it, as long as you're focusing on one thing and like eliminating distractions, like that's really good for the mind. For me, it's like going to the gym. Totally. And it, it's for me, it's the hardest thing of finding time for it and then still being a functioning part of the rest of society because right. honestly, my my sweet spot is like between like 1, 2 a.m. and like 5, 6 a.m. That's when you feel most that's, productive? That's when I'm most productive, most creative, when everybody else is sleeping. That's you know, I'm... like my biggest complaint is like, cable that's when they do cable servicing so yeah. like your internet intermittent some nights oh yeah and, and i'm just like fuck i got deadlines to do. i got yeah. shit to do or i'm like i'm i'm on fire on this project and now i can't do it because you guys are servicing your internet is that because there's less distractions at that time or does your mind just seem to work better at that time? i think it's both i think um you know programmed being in uh, late night business and hospitality business a lot of times we're working till you know two three in the morning mm-hmm. um but I think uh, it's I, it just seems like a golden hour for me. Yeah. Uh, it's when I I don't have as many distractions. There's not as many things, and I'm kind of tired too as well. So mm. when you get that like that sweet spot when you're too tired to do too much, yeah. But you still have a lot going on, and you're able to like focus. And uh, yeah, I love that. It's like one of my favorite things is working on the computer. And you know, having some garbage on TV mm-hmm. while you're working and watching the sun come up or listening to like amazing music it sounds very peaceful. Something. Yeah, it's great. Like uh, one of my good friends, Daniel, he uh, Dan Costa from Corso and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, he used to DJ for us back in the day when we were uh, just starting out, and uh, he left to go and follow his awesome passion for cooking. And mm-hmm. um, but we've always uh, found music that we. Not everybody listens to, mm-hmm. and he's been really, really great to be able to always, always send me new stuff and mm-hmm. send me weird, weird music that a lot of people don't listen to. But minimal classical music, like guys like Max Richter and Nils Fromm and stuff like that, are uh, things that really, really help get me in that headspace and and yeah, get to get to do that. So get to be there. what what is this? Because I've always wondered, like, what is it? And I'm the same way. What is it about being a person that like discovers new music, like? Like, you always like to be the friend that, like, sends your buddies a song that no one's heard before. And, like, you just said, like, music that not a lot of people listen to as if that adds more value to you uh, about it, right? Like, well, what is uh, that? the reason why I say that is is I want more people to listen to it. And I think people do listen to it around the world. It's just uh, we do get a little regionalized a lot mm-hmm. of the time. And we, we um, I, I think in a good way, we support local music. And, and Edmonton's amazing for that. Um, and Alberta in general. But... Uh, the bigger part is, uh, you know, I want it to be more mainstream. I, I would love to. One of the biggest compliments we used to always get is um, when I, I started a company called Connected Entertainment mm-hmm. in 2002. And uh, we were doing events and shows. And in our first year, we blew up. And we were doing, you know, 500-person events almost every month. And, uh, yeah, we are just two kids from Shirt Park doing events, me yeah. and my buddy Justin. And uh, everybody was like, wow, this is like a thing. Mm-hmm. And it was house music was what we were supporting and pushing and Blair and Sal at, uh, then Halo and mm-hmm. Bauer uh, were the only people doing it everybody else it was like trance music and that was what rave culture was and it was cool but it wasn't for us we um, Justin went to school in Toronto for college and I went out there to visit him and end up moving there for a year mm-hmm. and it was just so awesome and accessible to have this amazing electronic music that was like sexy and cool and uh, you know, energetic, and uh, later found out that everybody was on drugs. But <laughs> just wow, the people glamour. are really feeling this. Yeah, music it's like, tonight. yeah, I, I'm pretty naive. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, everybody's on cocaine and MDMA, or, yeah. or, or I guess ecstasy at the time. And uh, 
but it was it was amazing. It was amazing culture, amazing mm-hmm. vibe. So we wanted to bring that back to Edmonton. And then when we did, people really got on board and they supported it. And we'd walk into at the time Joey's Jasper Ave, where mm-hmm. local is, was the hottest restaurant in downtown. And we'd walk in and literally as soon as they would see us, the manager would like tell the hostess to come and grab us and just yeah. pull us aside or whatever. And he would go over to the station and change his house music station yeah. on their satellite. And we'd have, be, you know, listening to Cascade and, you know, Pitong stuff mm-hmm. while we're at Joey's and it's packed yeah. where everybody only played hip hop and there wasn't DJs at restaurants and stuff. It was like, that was the soundtrack was whatever they're playing on the satellite. Right. And people like fresh uh, and new, right? Totally. And that was, uh, again, like, uh, a lot of people at the time didn't listen to it, mm-hmm. but we wanted people to. We we want people to you know bring things out of the underground. I don't think it's I don't think it's bad for things to be successful or people to be po- like popular. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Cascade was one of those guys that we brought in all the time, and you know he played my birthday party. And luckily, are you serious? Oh yeah, we were like the first time we booked him. It was like they're like, no, we don't want like at the standard. The owners were like, no, we don't want Cascade. We don't want to pay for that. I was like, it's like fifteen hundred dollars. It's yeah. fine, and that's time. The Before Canadian dollar up, was right? like the same. So, so yeah, he literally uh, just started, just left Om Records, and was like making music out mm-hmm. in L.A. and and uh, San Francisco. And uh, I was like, it's my birthday party. I know I can bring out a couple hundred people. So let's just tie this one on, and we'll do it. That's it Turns out, it was not only an amazing night, and we built a great relationship with mm-hmm. him. Uh, Cascade continued to come back and continue to sell out, and you know he just played for. I don't know, seven thousand people at, at get together over the holidays. Like, so yeah, which is pretty awesome. And uh, my buddy Mikey DeRosa, who still uh, is really active in those events, and he works for Blueprint. Blueprint bought his old company and bought mm-hmm. my old company. Um, but yeah, he snuck me upstairs and we got to hang out with Cascade for a little bit. So it was so, nice. Cascade was my introduction to to electronic music. Yeah, like it's back, you, it's me. It was like back in like tune. 05, 06. I remember my buddy was into it a little bit before me because he was trying to get into DJing and he played. And then in like. 06 or 07 move for me was on the radio and yeah, he was yeah. like I remember him losing his shit because he was way more aware of it than I yeah. was but he's like I can't believe they've got house music on the radio now mm-hmm. and I just like that was such a pivotal moment I think I've seen him like three three times now we saw him down in LA at together as together as one or together as one. sure one of the New Year's Eve ones and then uh, of course at um, the Commodore in Vancouver cool all time music venue there yeah it's amazing and yeah so I've always got a special place in my heart for Cascade yeah me too man honestly like Ryan his name's Ryan Radden yeah and like uh, he was always awesome to us he was motivational he was a great like mentor for us he you know remind us of things that we're doing that's great and that he doesn't see everywhere mm-hmm. or if we're doing something that needs to be improved he's very very kind in doing it mm-hmm. and he also helped educate us on other people so when he did Cascade did his track with Dead Mouse. Um, he was like playing it for us before it was released and before it was finished and, and it was a new sound yeah. and it was much harder than anything he'd made before and uh, so I was like well it's amazing mm-hmm. and what was it like working with Joel because we'd booked Joel a couple times but I was like man he's like Deadmos is like an interesting character Yeah. and at the time he was you know just blowing up but he was like literally went from like his like mom's basement to like <laughs> making a million dollars at one year yeah. right so it's like uh, and sustainably, you know, he's going to make millions and millions. So I was like, well, Ryan, like, what's like, what's up with Joel? Like, why, like, why is he so different? He's like, could you imagine what it'd be like? He's like, we have years of doing this and years of being in front of people. Like, literally, the way his 
name is spelled is because he's like lives online and yeah. this is a new culture and a new generation that we're not used to and he's like so you know like be very mindful of that and and recognize him for the person that he is and and what he's trying to do and mm-hmm. he's like i think he's gonna do great things and it helped us like be more conscious of our judgments of people obviously we, we love dead mouse like joel's a fucking amazing dude mm-hmm. he's always treated us amazingly he's been nothing but kind to me mm-hmm. and uh you know in those times when people are coming up it's like you want them to be successful because of those sort of things and uh, that's why we want to bring it out of the out of the underground and into the mainstream and mm-hmm. i know there's a cool cachet when it you like you said like not a lot of people listen to or you find stuff that other people haven't heard mm-hmm. um but i want it to be popular mm-hmm. you know justin and i goal was to bring it out of the underground and into the mainstream and justin made it happen we ended up having connected fridays at the bank live to air so we played house music every friday on air for two or three hours every single week mm-hmm. And it became hugely successful, hugely popular, so popular that we ended up syndicating Pitong's show on the bounce as well. So we had two shows that were going every week that were house music based on mainstream radio. Right. And it was unheard of. It it's was just blowing people's amazing. minds here, I'm sure, because Edmonton is a relatively conservative place. Yeah, and well, less and every, so lately, but Yeah, and everybody else around the world is probably like, Yeah, that's normal. Like, yeah. why is that why is that weird? Yeah. And uh, it was really, really cool. So, you know, I think that's when we talk about you know having that cool edge to be able to find stuff it's mostly for me it's trying to improve uh the way we the way we live the way we communicate mm-hmm. and if everywhere we went you know i was just at local omnivore for example mm-hmm. and Great spot. Uh, yeah mark and ryan are hilarious and uh mark's like you like our music and i was didn't even really notice and it was like balkan disco <laughs> and so and it's look it up on Spotify I, mm-hmm. I don't know he was just like man we went in this vortex and all month this is what we've been listening to just Balkan like, Disco he's that's like awesome. yeah uh, and I think that's amazing and mm-hmm. I you know some of the music was garbage but it was fun and it was interesting yeah. and uh, difference never camps. bad right like you just you don't want bad like that doesn't fit the vibe but like different is always at least going to give you some novelty make things interesting totally or you know educate people or yourselves and realize that the world's bigger than you know you and your playlist or whatever yeah. so um, that's the one good thing uh, about all that I think is people tend to get a little bit more engaged and it does make the world a smaller place which, you know whether it's because you've you know listened to music from there mm-hmm. or because you've been there or you know we're talking about traveling and stuff and it's yeah I think it's really really important and that's why I like being that guy that you know people listen to or go to for music or ask if you know if their mix is any good or, mm-hmm. or whatever it is regardless um, because we want more of that and I that's that's my goal for Edmonton and my influence is you know anything that I can help support people in or or bring out of the underground and make more mainstream uh, that's what that's what we want to do we want mm-hmm. to support and make Edmonton kind of in our image and and leave it in a a better, more positive place than, than we were handed it. So. so we'll get to the future. We'll get to like building yeah, yeah. a community. But let's go back for a second. So right after you, you had your retirement from basketball and football <laughs> and, and you're wondering what you're going to do with life, what, what was it that drew you to music and how, how did that path kind of unfold? Well, music was always a thing for me. I kind of, uh, growing up, I little, listened to hip-hop and like alternative music. That was it. Mm-hmm. Like uh, nothing in between. You know, my dad, you know, he's a cowboy so there was not a lot of country but the country we had was like Ry Cooter and like um, Dwight Yoakam and stuff like that so uh, I always had a soft spot for that but it was a lot of alternative a lot of grunge music you know Nirvana and, and 
Stone Temple Pilots, something mm-hmm. like that. And like at the time, metal like Metallica and uh, uh, Black Sabbath, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, like Snoop Dogg. And like you know, was your dad just banging on your door as you were listening to this, being like, yeah. "Get that shit off." Well, my dad was very supportive. He bought us all because at the time you had to be like over sixteen to buy tapes really? that had explicit lyrics. Oh, they had like yeah. parental advisory stuff, yeah. so they wouldn't sell it to you. So if um, if you know, me and my ghetto brothers wouldn't steal it, couldn't steal it from the store yeah. from Sam the Record Man or whatever it was. Uh, dad would go and buy it for us, or and uh, you know, give us the tapes or CDs when they came out, and. Uh, it was it was awesome man it, it was it was nice to be able to have like parents that are supportive obviously yeah. we get banged on the door if we're playing too loud or yeah. we do it on purpose to piss them off but <laughs> um it was really cool and then i was uh, i kind of felt like this weird like i was loving stuff that nobody else in the world had had thought of or enjoyed yeah. before together and then judgment night came out and the judgment night soundtrack and i don't know if you if you know about it no but uh it was this shitty movie emilio estevez i like love the shit out the of mighty duck man himself yeah so in the 80s he did this movie called judgment night and it it's like about this they get uh stuck in like the ghetto and then they have to like fight their way out way out <laughs> it's it's trash but not to racially profile anymore, oh right? totally it's pretty bad it's pretty bad and, you know i'm sure it's in compton right yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. or like watts or something <laughs> crenshaw yeah totally so um yeah it was it's pretty bad in that way but it was so cool when the album came out it was like they mashed up hip-hop artists with uh metal artists mm-hmm. so it was like biohazard and onyx had a song hmm, and like interesting and that kind of like uh ice t actually uh ended up going down a path with like working with a bunch of metal artists mm-hmm. and doing like metal albums uh because of that motivation and inspiration to be able to get it out there and I thought that was the coolest thing that yeah. and like people's a butthead experience and all that where you're hearing like the coolest weirdest stuff mm-hmm. and you see there's actually a huge culture for it and a huge population so yeah. um, that was always in the back of my head and then uh, met uh, what turned out to be like my future business partner Justin Pandos in high school mm-hmm. and uh, oh I met him in junior high and I hated his guts when I met him why'd you like, hate him because he's a piece of shit yeah you're just like you know people who are like uh, they're just socially unaware of certain things and they also miss the niceties mm-hmm. uh maybe it's because they don't have time for it or whatever and too wrapped uh, up in their own yeah shit. so i played basketball with um with this guy from another school his name's lorenzo he's still one of my best friends this day and i was like he's like oh you get along with uh justin he's actually like huge into hip-hop and yeah. like loves it and i play basketball in like my wu-tang shirts and i was paying or whatever <laughs> yeah. and uh so we trade tapes every week when we go play ball and i was like Justin's such a piece of shit though. And, uh, <laughs> uh, anybody who knows Justin I think everybody would very much calculate him as like yeah Justin he's a piece of shit yeah. we love him yeah. but he's a piece of shit <laughs> All right, fair so uh, yeah I, we met and uh, we ended up getting a cool community of people that listen to hip hop and we're always buying new tapes and, mm-hmm. and doing all that sort of stuff and it was a big part of our lives and then uh, when I finished school or I was about to finish school, I needed to get a job, and I ended up getting a job at Joey's in Short Park. Mm-hmm. So it's where the local is in Short Park on the corner there, baseline. And um, I spent tons of hours there. What were you doing? Uh, a couple of years. So I, started, I was in the kitchen, kitchen? 16 years yeah. old. So I worked in the kitchen. I was in Forno and uh, worked my way up to like uh, assistant night coach. And then I worked my way in days. Mm-hmm. Um, I graduated early. So it, um, we were, I was 17 years old. All my friends are 18. And yeah. Uh, so I worked at Joey's, took a year off, and then once I turned 18, I quit and 
they hired me back front of house, which was pretty rare at the time, which was pretty cool. Oh, you made and that, I, made that uh, transition. Made the, yeah, the turn. The illustrious transition. Yeah, totally. I, I'm very lucky uh, that, you know, at the time my bosses were really great and saw a positive future for me. So mm-hmm. I worked my way through that. And uh, that's when things started to click for me that I was good at it. Mm-hmm. I was good at hospitality. I was, you know, I wasn't the best in the kitchen because I wasn't as fast as some of the other people at right. other things. And I remember being saucier and being there the longest every single day because I was just, I just wasn't fast enough. My knife skills weren't fast enough or whatever it was. But then when I got to the front of the house, everything kind of went away. It was mm-hmm. so easy. Everything was so easy for me. I, uh, you know, obviously it was work and you've been slammed in, you know, you're in over your head, but learning those skills, having coaches around you or teammates that really, really make it great. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was amazing. It was an awesome opportunity and really, really cool experiences there. And uh, that kind of led me to believe that that's something I could do long term. So uh, Justin had also uh, worked at Joey's before and then he moved to Toronto to go to school and he took food and beverage management. And so that became the goal mm-hmm. uh, was for us to open a restaurant or bar or something. Didn't know what uh, it was, but you knew didn't you know what it was. It, right? Yeah, we, we thought like, um, right around that time, Halo had just opened up around mm-hmm. 2099 or something like that. That's the club so, where Bauer is now? Where Bauer is okay. now, yeah. So uh, Blair and Sal and, and their partner Jay um, were super forward-thinking guys. And that was like the coolest thing. And we're like something, not that, but in that kind of vein where you could be a really cool culture spot. And then after going to Toronto and seeing like all the amazing clubs there. Yeah, which is, that's um, just like culture overload coming totally. from Edmonton, right? It was super cool. Like they had all the things from like big venues like Cool House and uh, Government to places we used to go to or uh, this place Unamas mm-hmm. and um, this other place Aria and they were like the coolest fucking places. Yeah. And like, you know, uh, Aria, for example, had uh, gender neutral washrooms in 2001. Really? In 2001. Holy shit. Like... It's forward thinking total forward thinking really really cool stuff that you know we couldn't even if when I opened church that wasn't an opportunity right. we couldn't have gender neutral washrooms we had to have individual stalls or um, men and why women why couldn't you why couldn't that you was uh, regulations really it's crazy yeah five years ago oh okay now it's changed right? now it's changed yeah. yeah so stuff like that's really really cool how we see stuff progress but that was always in our mind we wanted to do something really cool and interesting and we thought the best way of doing it we um, had these mentors in Toronto people took care of us were these guys Zark and Ralph ZRF Productions mm-hmm. and Zark is now like he's like a god out in Toronto the guy owns multiple restaurants and he's killing it he's, you know was a huge motivation and inspiration for us and his mm-hmm. office for one period of time was right above the clothing store we worked at on Queen Street so uh, they were great to us and they were really really amazing and um, helped coach us on what things were important and just kind of you know take the lead and go and do cool shit yeah and uh, don't be scared to you know come up with an idea or a theme or an event and just do it mm-hmm. and put it out there and you know the world generally will support you if you if you do all the right things. So came back to Edmonton and did it and it took us a while, but we did a, a fashion series which really helped us use our uh, resources as a community and also help rebrand house music in Edmonton as something that was cool and sexy that you could go listen to and it wasn't just rave music which you know still everybody always has that it's like oh like rave music or negative connotation or EDM or it's oh is that EDM it's like you know uh, I don't I'm not like a person who thinks you should always have genres or like Mm -hmm. subgenres I'm not one of those freaks like that that I think that kind of waters it down in certain ways I think it's good to have categorization so you can communicate but yeah yeah, we just want to make it we just want to make it cool Mm -hmm. we just want to make it awesome so found a lot of success with that and connected and worked with a lot of really amazing people and uh, Nestor Delano was our first hire and 
our partner and later my roommate, an amazing human, still is, and a really, really great guy. And people like Dan Costa came in and came out and ended up following their passions and did amazing things. And we were just really, really happy to do that. Mm -hmm. And that kind of led, led the way to, you know, us continuing. Justin uh, and I split ways, I think around 2006, 2008, somewhere mm -hmm. around there. And then uh, he ended up selling his portion to Blueprint. Mm -hmm. So Blueprint, uh, you know, has a bigger stake in Alberta and, and doing a great job bringing stuff and, um, you know, they do stuff at Commodore and, yeah. and, and own venues in, in Vancouver. So this is all event-based stuff that you're doing at the totally. time, Totally, right? yeah. We were so promoters. You're kind of like absorbing it all, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't. Totally, we were floating around. And, uh, venue, but right? the biggest thing was doing it with intent and for us to take some of the really cool ideas we saw in Toronto and then morph them into Edmonton. And, uh, you know, we stayed all the time. My brother just moved back to Calgary. And we if we took everybody in Edmonton or all the best people in Edmonton that we love and people that we've got to work with or, you know... Um, we think contributor or just generally nice people. Mm -hmm. If we took them and put them in any city in the world, it would be the best city in the world. Yeah. Uh, it really is the people, right? Totally. A hundred percent. And, uh, yeah, we love it. It's great. So that's one of the biggest reasons why we did come back. Cause like we knew we could be successful in Toronto. It'd be a lot harder. Uh, we'd be grinding way more. Mm -hmm. uh, and we'd have to be way tighter with our money. But in Edmonton, it came a lot easier because mm -hmm. people are into it. People do care. And they are willing to engage and support you. And we wouldn't be where we're at today without it, for sure. Yeah, people support each other here. Like, it doesn't matter what, it seems like it doesn't matter what someone's trying to do. There's always a, a huge following or group of people that are going to try and help them achieve that dream, right? Yeah, and I, to be honest, I think I was very lucky just growing up when we did, um, like, graduate. I graduated in 98. And we literally went from the year before us, all the cool kids were the kids who, like, played hockey and fought each other in the mm -hmm. hallways and like you know we're just like that's how it was and then our year everything started to change mm -hmm. and I felt that way in our community as well when we were coming up and you know all of our mentors and people that were older than us there was a lot more beef and like a lot more uh, hating on each other or you know drama that was happening between them and we had a bunch of that too when we started mm -hmm. uh, but we like to think that we kind of smashed that in and we were like like we can all work together there's a mm -hmm. place for all of us and you know at when we first started out, uh, Veet Nguyen, who owns Budang and, mm -hmm. um, fellow podcast uh, guest. Yeah. He's like an amazing yeah. dude. I love him. And, uh, when we first started out, we were competition yeah. and everybody put us against each other and, you know, people would uh, like talk shit and, you know, people in Calgary and people all over would try to hedge us against each other, mm -hmm. uh, for their own personal gain. And, uh, eventually we were just like, man, we're, we're like doing the same thing. Let's collaborate. Let's, let's support each let's other. Let's support right? each other. Or let's like, give each other a heads up if we're going to do a show let's yeah. make sure it's not on the same date and and we grew because of it and you know I really appreciate like um, this year was the first year I think Budang wasn't involved but generally they do get together mm -hmm. it is about Blueprint Live Nation and Budang all doing an event together mm -hmm. which is amazing over the holidays yeah. and it's it's a really cool concept and it's really uh, amazing and empowering to see that happen because we've all been fighting for the last 20 years mm -hmm. Did you guys ever utilize that sort of like uh, arch rival nemesis uh, uh, persona and try and like play that up? I don't you guys think ever so. Have, you ever no, have fun with that? Because that could be really good, right? Yeah, like, but there was definitely some real drama that was happening oh, back okay. in the day. So, right. uh, yeah, like there was some real fucking shitty things that happened on all sides. And mm -hmm. uh, ultimately, Justin and I and our team and Esther, we, we were hustlers. Mm -hmm. And we fucking busted our ass. And we took Toronto style New York style promoting and we took it to the streets we were handing out personally between like less than five of us 
there was we probably put out ten thousand flyers every month by just hand. in hand by in hand. hand person to person yeah uh person to person on car windows yeah. at movie theaters at clubs oh, at everywhere. How the times have changed so. <laughs> totally yeah luckily for the best facebook uh, ad boom target yeah we were 18 to 32 yeah, I'm edmonton sure, boom yeah if edmonton gave me a retroactive like littering ticket i probably would have a hard time fucking not paying it. <laughs> um but like uh yeah we did it and we hustled it so we were in everybody's faces all the time and yeah. Uh, a lot of people didn't like it and if you know you have a bad night at the club and you walk out and the flyers on your car and you're the owner you're fucking pissed off yeah. right so uh, I get that but we we didn't care mm-hmm. we were just like listen we're here to hustle and advertise and promote and that's what we're that's what we're gonna do we're gonna educate people on what we're doing and we were really successful and super happy about it so uh, yeah that's that's stuff that we had to overcome but it was really cool building the relationships and you know being true to who we were uh, I think that allowed us to keep the respect and integrity that we have. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, I'm very lucky to call, you know, Blair and Sal and uh, Veet and David Stone and Justin and Mikey, all these guys and as close friends or brothers or, mm-hmm. you know, best friends because it's, it's hard working through business and getting through that. But again, it's our generation is the one I think that started to change it and mm-hmm. I'm really, really happy with it. And I'm proud of our city. You know, obviously it's not my idea. I didn't do it, but everybody kind of, doing the same thing and at the same time and it feels a bit of a renaissance where we are supporting each other we are collaborating a lot more and, mm-hmm. and uh in a world of competition uh, or when you know five ten years ago it was pine versus hudson's and now everybody's you know working together and yeah. and, and trying to be successful together and i think that's important yeah well and especially with times get tough right you can you can take two mentalities you can either you either can think uh, I'm going to succeed at the loss of everyone else, or you say, "Hey, look, guys, we can all work together to try and make the best of this." And and I think the latter is is far more successful. Um, and also, like you know, everyone's success is everyone else's success, right? Like you don't. It's hard to think of it that way, though. I think uh, you know, uh, there's an argument to the other side that it isn't everybody else's success. The mm-hmm. pie is only so big. Yeah, but it's not like if. If you've got competition or you've got an enemy, if they're in a shitty spot in life, like that's only going to make matters worse for you. Sure. But if you've got someone that you know that's doing well and they're your friend and you support them, or maybe they started off as sort of a competition, but they're doing well, it drives you A, to be better, also creates a bigger pie altogether, in my opinion. For sure. I think there's potential for it. And yeah. I, I totally agree with you. Um, but playing devil's advocate... Mm-hmm. There is only so much money. There is only so much money in this economy. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, our government hasn't handed us the best uh, budget going forward. It hasn't given us the most uh, confidence that they're able to support us and help growth in Alberta. Oh yeah, my industry just got crushed. We just got gutted. Totally, and it's you know nurses, teachers, everybody. Mm -hmm. It's it's difficult. So, um, looking at that, it's for me the path is yeah integrity. Mm -hmm. You know, working with each other, collaborating more, and finding common-minded partners to be able to do it. But we have bars and restaurants and, and businesses closing every day, mm-hmm. and it's a super, super tough thing. And it's you know something I think that deserves respect and uh, us to be able to understand why that's happening and hopefully prevent it in the future. Because entrepreneurship is still going to be, I think, the business for the next decade, mm-hmm. and it might be you know changing quite a bit, but. That's super important, and we really, really need to make sure we're finding ways to encourage everybody to be brought up. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's something I've really been focusing on this year. And uh, in 2019, it was it was hard. I'm, you know, you you open a business and things are hard. You yeah. know, Church uh, or, of John opened what 2017? 
2016. So, uh, yeah, four, our four-year anniversary is at God, the end of time this goes month. by quick, man. Like, I remember when you guys opened hearing all about it. And, like, yeah. it's, yeah, it's wild to think it's been that long. Yeah, four years. And, uh, you know, uh, we wanted to be open five years ago, but um, the delays, delays, delays. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, we had a, we opened right in a recession. And it's very similar to now how it feels is there's a lot of businesses that have closed or are just closing and uh, or a lot of limiting hours but there's also some really cool businesses that are opening and, mm-hmm. and doing really cool things so uh, my goal is not just to you know obviously support the people around us that we we love and care about and finding ways to do that uh, and give them monetary support uh, and and build that in our community and support that but also find a way to be positive on a regular basis mm-hmm. you know I'm anybody who knows me really well knows I'm uh, a little bit snarky and uh, you know I, I don't miss my words and mm-hmm. um but I have the negative and negativity is something that it perpetuates your actions and your community. And, uh, I think it's super important, like you're saying for us to support each other and, and do that sort of stuff because it actually does, you know, put the ball in the other, in the other direction. And it does help that snowball effect grow. Uh, you know, it's not hopes and prayers, but it's actual like showing up mm-hmm. and supporting and, and putting it out there in tangible ways. And, uh, yeah, I think that's that's the future of, of businesses and how we're going to get out of this mm-hmm. uh, this recession of ours. So in all in all years of uh, gig promoting and DJing, you obviously saw a ton of places, your first-hand experience and you know what works, what doesn't. So what were some of the important lessons um, and kind of principles that you brought to Church of John when you guys opened up in 2016? Well, I, uh, I think I brought a lot of different ones, but mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure... I, they all fell on their face at the time. You know, sometimes you're uh, working in a, a financial environment that just people aren't spending money mm-hmm. and they don't see value in it. And mm-hmm. especially when you're trying to teach new concepts or give them something that's outside of their box, something that's not, you know, chicken wings and beer and sports, it's very difficult. Yeah, and I don't have a time and place, but you need something different every once in a while. Totally, you know, and I think that's why people are so excited about these barcades and mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh, I think it's obviously gives people an opportunity to kind of engage and it's a little bit different, but it's still within their wheelhouse and their comfort levels. Mm-hmm. And uh, we still try to do something different. So I think um, the biggest principles or the things that I think helped us or will continue to help us is, is you know, doing stuff with integrity, uh, regardless of what it is, just making sure you actually give a fuck about it mm-hmm. and you're willing to put your name, your face, your money on it. And going and supporting those other things that you you like, whether it's in your industry or not, mm-hmm. um, working with those people and and uh, you know not wanting to get a discount mm-hmm. or not you know trying to trying to get a better price. Obviously, you have budgets and if people can work within it, great. But yeah. um, that's the thing when you want to support a friend or, or, or you know an associate or colleague or something. Like go and like pay for their product or service. Totally. Like we get that like oh send me your film. It's like look if you really wanted to support me like go buy that film right. Like, totally. You know I'm not I'm not gonna put aside two hundred tickets for all my friends. It's like dude, we're doing this because it's our passion. It's what we love. And we want to share it with you guys. But like if you're saying you support it, then go support it. Don't just ask for the free ride. Totally. And that's uh, you know that's one of our principles from church. The reason why we started Church of John is. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to put money back into people that we think are common-minded. So that way, whether you're a staff member, we don't hire goon door guys. We don't hire people at staff that are always even the best experienced. Mm-hmm. Uh, we hire the people that are awesome and we think are common-minded like us. So every time they get a paycheck, they get a tip, mm-hmm. uh, they get an opportunity. It's 
goes back to our vision of Edmonton and, and where we think it should be. You know, artists that come in and play or people that book out the room, we want them to make money. Mm-hmm. And I want them to keep that money because it's going to make them do more dope shit. Yeah. You know, like like Kanye says, we're dope and we do dope shit. Like that's, <laughs> that's what happens, man. And, and uh, that's what we want. We want mm-hmm. to see more of that. So I think that's a big principle that we've kind of carried through with is really, really pushing people to... Uh, do stuff with integrity support people that you think have integrity or doing cool things and mm-hmm. and try not to ask for a discount like sure you know what for me I get discounts I get like free drink here or there but that means I can go again yeah and that means you know I can go more frequently mm-hmm. I still kind of budget stuff out uh, if my girlfriend's listening I I don't have any I don't spend any money on anything <laughs> uh, you only drink I, don't, I, only I, get, I drink comp, for, yeah, comp beers at local yeah yeah I, yeah, I drink for, I drink for free all the time uh, <laughs> but uh, you know I, I do have a social environment I do care about people in Edmonton and I think that we do have a really cool hospitality industry that drives a large part of our business whether it's retail or mm-hmm. uh, you know whether it's hospitality or, or stuff that's affected by hospitality and it's not the Rogers places that are mm-hmm. doing that it's yeah. Those are like a big vacuum to the community, right? Like they totally. bring people together, you make memories there, but it's not like necessarily putting something Totally, and they do a great job of hiring people and they have a lot of great staff. But, you know, for example, there's what, one concert there this month. There's mm-hmm. zero in February and zero in March, I believe. Yeah. Um, it's, it's tough. Mm-hmm. And I get the economies out there are different, but there's people out there in the street every day. Yeah. There's your locals, your Pints, your Gretas, your Centrals, you know, your Baijos and Mercers mm-hmm. and Rostazados and Trace Carnalis that are every day putting people to work, yeah. paying people's wages, paying their rents, doing all that stuff. And we need to continue to support that to be able to keep this this evolution going for us to be able to have Edmonton continue to grow and for businesses to be able to grow and uh, hire graphic designers mm-hmm. or uh, you know have people pay for parking to pay for taxes. Like mm-hmm. These are all super important things that I really believe in. And, uh, I try to be as conscious of it as ever every single day mm-hmm. and especially in times like this for sure yeah do you as a side note do you i heard the number do you know how the number of people it takes to run roger's place no how many people they hire that work there they get a paycheck on like an event night no especially game day two thousand two thousand two thousand people are getting a paycheck yeah. on game night that's wild and to think like yeah they get a lot of hockey games but I don't think the concerts are going as they as they hoped it would but totally and then, just your corporate overhead of that place is insane like for sure it's, you know just it, to run it yeah and I, I, again like I appreciate that I think it's a really positive thing mm-hmm. but um, you know being a boom and bust type business or uh, you know a company that can come in and cherry pick whether it's Oilers or do whatever they've made huge investments but our city has too mm-hmm. so everybody's engaged and involved in it and I, I'm very happy with Roger's uh, place in general and, and obviously there's all things we can improve on but, yeah have you uh, seen an uptick in business at all like yeah, correlating to sort of more development now with the JW Marriott there yeah when, when Roger's first came uh, we dropped 75% in sales mm. 75 that's rough fucking brutal yeah and it, but you guys it, opened the same year you opened at the start of the year uh, we opened they were opened about a year uh, year later okay so um, yeah they didn't make that first hockey season they ended up being so a year and a half the 2016-2017 oh that one they that opened, was right? the first yeah yeah so eight eight nine months in, yeah. nine months in and we thought it was going to be great and mm-hmm. it was the opposite it drove all of our neighborhood away it drove all of our accessibility away mm-hmm. everything that we were doing positive people no longer wanted to come and support because they couldn't access it or there was a fear factor yeah. and everything the city promised us that wasn't going to happen happened. Mm-hmm. so you know we had to pivot and be more 
uh, event-based and find ways to get people out. But yeah, now that we have the Marriott in there mm-hmm. it, and that plaza is open. open now. Yeah, That's well, huge. you know, I think the underground parkade's good, but people, those parking lots aren't full. They charge a lot of money, so That's people insane. aren't there. Um, and transportation has been horrendous mm-hmm. with them begging meters and stuff. It's like, we don't bag meters at lunchtime. Mm-hmm. And there's 80,000 people that commute downtown every day. And we're worried about 15,000 people and maybe 10,000 drivers. Like, yeah. give me a fucking break, yeah. you know? But with the Marriott opening, it gives us access to that walkway. It opens it up. It has less, it shines more light on the dark parts of downtown. Yeah. And sure. it makes it more accessible and more exciting. And, you know, that's one of the things that I was really excited to actually, like, you know, support and pop up about is that raises the bar for us. Mm-hmm. That's the first, like, five star plus hotel in Edmonton mm-hmm. ever. And it's incredible. Uh, yeah, I before that, it was like the Westin, right? And totally. That, Westin and the Mac, right? Yeah. And, you know, it's still great places. And the Mac's bar is awesome. I love that Confederation Lounge. It's cool as hell. Free drinks there too, right? Uh, of course. Yeah. Yes. Yes, babe. They are totally free <laughs> uh, But, you know, those are places that I think are amazing in Edmonton and iconic. Mm-hmm. But uh, in our neighborhood, that's done a huge, huge... Uh, um, a huge favor to everybody who's uh, located around it to create that sense of community on a daily basis at that corporate level um, that we don't really have uh, opportunity with with Rogers Place and I know there's a lot of businesses around that neighborhood Mm -hmm. that uh, are pretty happy about it too because there are islands out there you know you're not going to Boston Pizza outside the arena unless it's a game day or a concert day or something like that Mm so we want to make sure that our locations and our our downtown core is livable and walkable every day Mm -hmm. and we want we want to see more people uh, you know, finding it accessible and, and a value too. So mm-hmm. what do you think the city could be doing better? Like what do you see the next like five years to 2025 kind of looking like in your uh, ideal world? Yeah. I don't know. I think, you know, it's, it's interesting. I think, um, one us finding a way to communicate more, uh, more globally or nationally. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, uh, us being at the, you know, uh, at the mercy of our provincial government, uh, it's tough super tough and uh, I find it to be soul sucking and uh, it shouldn't be that way we shouldn't have one thing that can uh, make or break us or make or break our community or our economy we need to be more you know nationally or internationally minded and uh, I would like to see us do that build a better relationship with Ottawa and you know with the Liberal government or whoever's in power and, and continue to get them to support us uh, through you know some subsidies or investment in transportation you know trying to finally get these LRT lines done yeah. maybe eventually get a high speed train from Edmonton to Calgary mm-hmm. which would you know totally unify the province um, and, and do a bunch of that sort of stuff which is really really great I would love to see that um, and I really think us supporting small businesses and getting that math of small business or hospitality or night business um, and bring it to light mm-hmm. Because, you know, there's a lot of other cities and there's uh, working with Startup Edmonton for a number of years. uh, We get a lot of cool facts and a lot of cool like dreams. Mm -hmm. And one of the dreams is to have a night mayor. So a mayor that (laughs) represents the nightlife and the hospitality business and the business that happens after six. Mm -hmm. So from 6 a.m. or 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. instead of from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. And representing that and seeing what a big part of our economy that is and and the struggles we have in actually having a better communication for it uh, and have somebody represent our businesses and our like not so small, small businesses, Mm -hmm. you know, tons of us are putting out millions of dollars in investment into doing this. And 
we need to be supported. We're the ones giving those jobs. Mm-hmm. You know, we dropped seventy five percent. I lost twenty five staff. Yeah. You know, that's twenty five staff members that no longer have a paycheck from me. Mm-hmm. That's tough. Yeah. Super tough. super super difficult. Yeah. And it doesn't help us move that ball forward. It puts us back. Mm-hmm. So we got to find ways of being able to support each other and. You know, support the, support the small businesses without us having to get out of the soapbox or without me having to call mm-hmm. a city. Like literally I spent uh, in that first three months, uh, calculated approximately 40 hours a week. I was on the phone or email with the city. Seriously? 40 hours a week. That was a your week, full-time job. Three months on top of my full-time job. <laughs> it was ridiculous. And I, you know, we got into uh, the, the winter time and I was just like, I can't. I can't, I can't waste this time anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to just do our own thing. We have to find ways of creating our own business. And I need to put this energy back into a, a positive factor, not fighting this negative mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, work a way around it. And, you know, some of our, our friends, it's, they, they always say it's death by a thousand cuts. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just minimum wage going up, which was great. I think in a bigger picture, mm-hmm. but it's tough. Yeah, the reality is small business owners, super hard. And it's tough because how do we increase prices and still keep customers? Yeah. You know? We don't. <laughs> do, you think, truth. do you think there's any, uh, like, do you think there's almost like a false dichotomy or a dichotomy between people thinking like, look, we've got like our nine to five things that generate business, things that are like important to us. And then like nightlife is almost like going out and socializing. Yeah, it's like celebrated in some sense. We want diverse bars and restaurants and places to go. But it's almost by some people looked at as like, like you're taking away from your life. Like if like working is a, a productive thing, like adding to your life, like going out is like spending money and it's like a waste of money. Like how do you shift that? Because as someone who like works from home every day, like I know there's some weeks where I like don't really socialize a lot and it took me a while to realize this, but it actually is a detriment to me. Like, you, you know, even a week where I work from home all week and I'm kind of down, even though I got stuff done and then I'll go work at local on the weekends that like boosts me up again. Cause I'm totally. like, I'm around people. I'm, I'm, I'm socializing and it just kind of like re recharges you a little bit. Yeah. I think it's, it really comes down to North American versus like a global European mentality mm-hmm. We're we're very used to being closed off. And you know, my parents always, joke about it how when we grew up we could sleep in our parents beds and, mm-hmm. and do that stuff and then all of a sudden that wasn't okay mm-hmm. and that's like a very a Canadian or American way of doing stuff is that you know we weren't we didn't have that closeness we didn't have that uh, time and culture built into our everyday life mm-hmm. and it started creating a distance between us and other people that's my room that's my stuff that's all these things that that's not the way I was raised it's not the way I was brought up but it became very aware when I was getting older yeah. And I think people do that. And I, I think that's what it is, whether it's you're being like conservative and keeping stuff for yourself or saving it for a rainy day or saving for retirement or whatever mm-hmm. it is or vacation. I think those are all very positive things. Uh, but I, I think the best way we can continue to do that is by showing value in um, engaging mm-hmm. and not engaging online and not just, you know, but actually physically being there. And uh, one thing I do, uh, you know, cheer uh, the city on about is that they make an effort to do activations and mm-hmm. it increase our opportunity to be more social and, and to have a life outdoors in Edmonton, whether it's in winter or in summer mm-hmm. and in summer, obviously celebrate it, but create events and accessibility. You know, our trail system is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's always stuff going on at all the parks and, and you know, we are festival city or whatever they try to brand it as, but, yeah. <laughs> but it is, it's great. And you know, mm-hmm. the legislature being renovated, and all the events going down there and Taste Edmonton moving there, it's incredible. And it does feel like 
we're on par with a city like Chicago or, or San Francisco where you can go out and just walk around and you don't have to be spending a ton of money or any money and you can walk out and go have a great experience and you know pack a lunch or you know uh, people are they're doing events where you can drink alcohol and open you know in the mm-hmm. beer gardens you can have sit with your kids at a table and have a beer and it's incredible yeah. you can drink wine in a park now apparently uh, yeah stuff like that is incredible and yeah. I think it's really really good and that's uh, a very European mentality and that's a way of allowing people to engage uh, I have a really good friend of mine uh, him and his wife they moved to France for school uh, when he's uh, doing his MBA I believe and uh, they had a kid and mm-hmm. a one bedroom apartment and then I think they had their second kid there as well and they live their life mm-hmm. and when they came back there I was very very proud they didn't move to the suburbs they mm-hmm. moved right central Strathcona and their place is you know a nice place but it's not where they want to be there are mm-hmm. intentionally we want a smaller place so we kick ourselves out into the world yeah that's what we did when we were in Europe and yeah. that's the way we should be is our life doesn't exist in our house our life exists outside of our house mm-hmm. that's where we go back to recharge or to communicate or, yeah. or be a family but the rest of the time this should be spent out you know in the world and enjoying the place you live and I, I think that's a huge thing I wonder if it just comes out of like there it was bred out of necessity right there's just less space in Europe people have been there for way longer totally. everything's just jammed more tight like there's a lot more friction and I don't mean that in a bad way but a lot of more like like forced interaction almost where like you come out to North America we've got these big cities that are spread out and everyone retires back to their house at the end of the day and their family yeah. and like that that that's got to have had some impact on like the, the sure. mine versus ours mentality right for sure and I think that it's the simple things you think about uh, so your house is smaller so you have a smaller fridge mm-hmm. so that means you have to get groceries more often mm-hmm. so that means you have to go to the grocery store or the baker or whatever mm-hmm. every other day and you have to go do that you're going to have dinner tonight you got to go get your groceries for the night mm-hmm. those are things that we don't do anymore and you know again part of it is necessity and I think it's you know maybe budgeting in certain ways or or people being conservative or using their time more wisely buying more at once and freezing it in and then not having to go to Costco every single day or yeah. or go to grocery store every day and I don't think those are bad things obviously uh, but I do see a lot of value in us doing it and especially being a cold city mm-hmm. like you know we're what was it eight months we had snow the other year yeah it's insane <clears throat> but I love it and I, I you know obviously I dream of living half the year on a beach but Edmonton's Edmonton's home you got accidental beach here yeah totally right <laughs> just pops up for you yeah uh, but you know I, that's I think that's the whole the whole idea is trying to mm-hmm. find people uh, encourage them and, and be conscious of you know not everybody drinks not everybody loves live music or, mm-hmm. or not everybody likes these things so finding those things that we have that celebrate Edmonton and, and really getting people behind it you know uh, they've rejuvenated the uh, what's it called the riverboat Edmonton yeah. riverboat um, I've been doing events on the Edmonton high level streetcar with Edmonton radio railway society yeah um, which is awesome I gotta get out to one of those when do you start up again uh, they go May long to October long okay basically and then minus snow so yeah. Um, so yeah we'll start up at end of May early April but uh, or sorry uh, early early May I believe mm-hmm. we might have some dates in April but, um, but those are really cool things that we can engage and support and mm-hmm. uh the city, I think, has done a better job improving our accessibility and, and the opportunities to go and, you know, walk around the ledge and it's beautifully lit and mm-hmm. you can just enjoy that. Like, you know, uh, my girlfriend Vicky and I went and did that the other day and it was it was gorgeous. Yeah. It was beautiful. There's lots of it cost stuff. cost us zero dollars. Yeah. Literally put tea in a cup, yeah. 
Uh, I might have had wine in mind. And uh, we walked around the ledge, and yeah. it was gorgeous. There's lots of stuff to do. It's just like people get so wrapped up in their in their jobs and, and trying to be productive and, and, and distractions too, whether it be Netflix or, or video games or whatever. Like It's just hard to like make that first plan. But as soon as you like plan to go do something, it gives you something to look forward to, which I think is super important. Like Everyone should always have short, medium, and long-term things to look forward to. Otherwise, life can just get mundane and boring yeah. but like just making that decision to do something and committing to it i think brings so much value to people totally but i think uh it it is a, a fair thing for people to not want to do those things or not want to go and do everything mm-hmm. and it makes it more of a challenge but in a hopefully in a positive way for us to find things that people want to do mm-hmm. or make it bigger, make it better. You know, I didn't go to that Glow Festival thing or whatever, mm-hmm. but that's a great way of activating that space that is not used very often yeah. and got tons of people down to it. You know, uh, the Tell Us World of Science, having the Marvel exhibit and having these amazing exhibits, yeah. those are huge things for us and it really puts us on the map globally. You know, the Marriott opening up and having Alchemy, you know, uh, Kevin Cam and the team opening up Baijo and Pablo and Royale. Mm-hmm. Like Pablo is one of the coolest places I've ever been. We just got back from Spain and Portugal and yeah. in Spain went to, you know, uh, Paradiso and like some of these like amazing cocktail clubs that are the best cocktail bars. Dr. Stravinsky, like these places are the best cocktail bars in the world. Mm-hmm. And then we can come to Edmonton and be like, where's Pablo? Uh, Pablo's right under El Beso, So it's in Beaver Hill Park. Um, just opened like a month ago. Where's that? It's uh, 105th Street in Jasper. So, so oh, there's okay. that Beaver Hills Park that's right there, yeah, yeah. and it's uh, attached to that building on the side that used to be the oh, okay. old um, Sobeys building. Yeah. So it's a little narrow building on the side, and uh, El Beso is like a, a tequila and yeah. taco bar yeah. and restaurant. And then downstairs is Pablo, which is like this like really cool like '60s yeah. bar. Cocktail. It's also hard to get the information out though, right? Like we've got so many different inputs. Like everyone's. Totally you know, got their very curated Facebook feed and Instagram feed. And so like, I didn't know about these places that you just talked talk about. And I'd like to say I'm probably more att- tuned into what's going on in terms of food and beverage in the city, just by the people I know and the places that I work. But yeah, yeah. But that's the thing. we got to find ways to activate it and, and connect people. And I think that's uh, something people like about me is that, uh, you know, just like the music it's not like necessarily... a, lot, a lot of things about you <laughs> thanks I, I like appreciate that um, I, I would probably disagree but uh, thank you for being so nice <laughs> um, but yeah I think it's it's those sort of things and shining a light on stuff that I see value in mm-hmm. and hopefully people find value it doesn't mean they do yeah. but I, I enjoy it and I think it's really fucking cool like yeah. you know obviously I have my different connections and reasons why I like things and why you like things mm-hmm. and um, it's not for everybody but there's some really cool things going on in the city, you know. Like I said, Pablo's great, Clementine and Woodwork again, top like world class cocktail bars. Alchemy is an amazing bar mm-hmm. on the fifth floor. Like you know, it's only I think by reservation you can get in. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's amazing. It's a proper speakeasy. You go in through a bookshelf. That's why you know yeah, Kevin Kevin Cam has little HK in the back of Baijo. It's like literally it's a cabinet mm-hmm. that moves and it opens into like a little 12 seater bar and you know you can have like 50 60 cocktails back mm-hmm. there and it's an amazing incredible thing maybe people don't talk about it because they like it to be exclusive uh, i don't i think <laughs> it's our little secret space i right? think partially but i think also to uh, you know we have what 1.1 1.2 million people in edmonton yeah uh, like proper or whatever and I always see we have a lot less engagement than cities like Calgary or, you know, we're not as engaged in everything. We don't care about it as much in the same way. And, you know, part of it's, we're not boastful. 
we're not uh, that type type of group of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, Edmontonians traditionally aren't, and I think that's a really cool thing to be yeah. humble. But I also think that it's important that we share and mm-hmm. we we try to create experiences with people in places that we see a value, so we can have more of those. And that ultimately, that's you know what I care about, and that's my way of kind of hopefully investing in Edmonton a little bit more, punching yeah. above my weight class uh, to be able to get a bigger reach and, and have people spend more dollars per head than, than if they, if people were just naturally going to places yeah. and, and, you know, searching it all out. Um, but yeah, it's, there's amazing places in the city to go and support. I just, um, I got to sneak peek this place, Yarrow. So, uh, Ben Staley, who, uh, was formerly at North 53 when mm-hmm. it was open, um, he was the chef there and then he opened Alder Room and Alta. Mm-hmm. Alder Room before it closed was on Room Magazine's like top 50 new restaurants wow. in Canada. Yeah. Um, so he's opened a new place, Yarrow, mm-hmm. just off um, over behind Brewery District mm-hmm. and got a sneak peek. Uh, this guy Chuck uh, is uh, running their bar program and it's amazing. When's that opening up? Because that's uh, not kind of It just opened recently. Like, it's I, called Yarrow? I think Yarrow, yeah. Y-A-R-O? Y A R R O W. Okay. Uh, it's 114th Street and 105th Ave. Okay. And it's just really unassuming. Yeah. It's got a nice little plaque, very New York style. Yeah. Um, and you walk in. Jordan Tomnick is a local designer, designed the interior. It's gorgeous. And they have two doors one for their restaurant seating side, mm-hmm. uh, and then one side for their bar. And uh, it's amazing. And Chuck did a killer job. Chuck spent some time in Lisbon. Mm-hmm. I believe he lived there for a year or a year or two. And uh, when I went to Portugal, he gave us a ton of tips, and it was incredible. And he brought some of that inspiration and motivation back. Very cool. And, and it's really, really cool, man, to be yeah. able to go there and see stuff and, uh, you know, support it. Uh, Pablo, for example, too, is like an unbelievable bar. Mm-hmm. It, it totally takes me to another place. It makes me feel like I'm walking out back up the stairs into another city. Yeah. And, and that's one of the things we're really proud of at church is that, uh, I remember our first fashion show like we have for our anniversary we generally do a fashion show so we mm-hmm. have a fashion show um, that me and um, my friend Ali from Suka make clothes together and, mm-hmm. and we do a fashion show and uh, the first night we did it I remember waking up to like three or four texts the next day and all these people being like oh my god I had such a good time last night yeah. and I was panicked when I woke up this morning being oh my god <laughs> I need to get back to Edmonton because I have to work today <laughs> thinking they were in another city yeah. and that's you know a really positive hopefully eventually everybody knows that it's Edmonton and it feels Edmonton yeah but right now I think we're on this cool little renaissance where we are taking a lot of things from all over the world and mm-hmm. we're creating new experiences for us yeah we put our own you know, uh, humble great. flavor to it right totally or not so humble some of these places are gorgeous yeah. man Alchemy's crazy and obviously yeah. the Marriott's a massive company but Pablo's gorgeous mm-hmm. Yarrow's gorgeous yeah. Clementine's beautiful these are places that we we love going to mm-hmm. and supporting in a different way and you know uh, it raises the bar again it people have to raise the bar when you have you know five six arcade bars in the city Greta has to look nicer when it opened up yeah it had to have a better experience and it had to create that and that competition like you said before it, it does raise the bar yeah and uh, it does make people you know hopefully create a bigger community for it and that's all that's all we can hope for whether it's church or whether it's these cool spots that are opening up mm-hmm. is is you know get a bigger chunk of that population engage more people and I think that is one of our opportunities at Edmonton is to engage more people. And, uh, you know, in Calgary, we were talking about it. People spend $60 on a cab uh, to come downtown or to leave their car at work and, and 
uh, you know, go out for a drink or a dinner afterwards and, and go home. And that's normal. That's part of their cost of living when they're budgeting to live out in the burbs mm-hmm. and have that extra value. Mm-hmm. In, in Edmonton, we don't do that. And I, I hope I hope people start factoring that in, that yeah. transportation cost to, uh, and the life cost that it costs to be in a burb or, yeah. or, or further away from the things you love. Well, you know, the biggest can of gas you could really throw on this whole thing is having the Oilers make the playoffs. <laughs> For sure. I think it'd be great. <laughs> oh, man. I like that 2017 run. Uh, uh, yeah, or the 08 run? Or what was 06. 06. I, yeah. I wasn't living here yet, but... 06, yeah, that was that was madness. I heard we fucked up cars. We burned down like, yeah. buildings, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. It was bad. Nothing like a little beer to get Edmontonians fired up. Beer and uh, hockey. Yeah, beer and <laughs> hockey. But it was it was a great time, and yeah. honestly, yeah, the playoff run a couple years ago was fantastic for all of us, and uh, it energizes the city. We, we do, uh, I think, thrive in things like that, and... Um, yeah, again, I think Rogers Place did a great job of trying to, you know, stop the bleeding when we when we have, and mm-hmm. really, really uh, proud of opportunities that have been created. So, what do you got going on in in the next, you know, near future that you're really excited about that you want to let people know about? Well, obviously, Church John is something I'm super passionate about. Keep going every we've weekend, been, Church. We've John. been killing, yeah, straight up. Uh, Wednesday night we do our industry night. It's been amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my business partner Sam started it when I was uh, injured mm-hmm. uh, with my back injury and you know two years later we're, we're going strong and it's been really really great um, and then Friday Saturday we do a lot of events and uh, you know we're looking to expand um, and be a more balanced program where a lot of electronic music uh, in general but we do have a lot of amazing you know more I guess more approachable hip-hop and mainstream type nights that we are programming starting right away great uh so on 18th we have this dj josh charles from calgary mm-hmm. who's going to be coming up and then on the 25th uh part of our anniversary week um we have another hip-hop night it's going to be amazing um and then the 23rd so our i guess our anniversary week mm-hmm. is uh january 23rd we have our fashion show mm-hmm. um with suka and mc college is one of our sponsors for that uh, and then on Friday the 25th, we have this DJ Born Dirty. He's got one of the biggest songs in the world right now with Diplo yeah. uh, called Samba Sugo. And uh, it's an amazing track. And he's come and play church. And so we have some tickets on sale for that too. Awesome. And then we just power through. Yeah. Power through into the new year. So, Perfect. Um, but generally, it's, I think we just really want to be positive. We want to support e- each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm playing at 9910 on Saturday, even mm-hmm. though I have a business that I run. You know that's arguably competition yeah uh i'm got an opportunity to dj at 9910 for my friends who own and operate that and uh, do a really cool night mm-hmm. um techno night in canada it's something they did 20 years ago i think they started very cool and uh you know i'm, I'm actually pretty stoked because i'm <laughs> I think I'm the youngest person by about 15 years. Really? Oh yeah. Oh fuck! You're gonna oh, inject yeah. some lifeblood into that. There's legends playing yeah. uh, that night. And it's gonna be amazing. So, uh, yeah, we we really want to continue to be positive and support everybody else around us. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you do it on a, on a weekly basis, and you know, try to engage people and create those experiences, and and work with other people that are inside and outside of our business to uh, really, really you know encourage more people to engage and it doesn't have to be an expensive thing yeah it can be a free guest list it can be a free night it can be a four dollar like highball or a discount or a happy hour drink yeah let's do that let's support it and try to stretch those dollars and and really really make 2020 uh a lot better than we were handed it 
Yeah, man. I, I'm a firm believer in like, it's, it's all about understanding one another better, right? Like why it is you are the, the way you are, why you're doing what you're doing, what's the reason behind it. And, and, you know, I think once you understand that, then people are a little more amenable to like, how can I help? Is that coming down to your spot once a week? Or is that, you know, blasting your stuff out on social media? Like it's, you know, it's not hard to help. It's just a matter of like getting that initial connection, which comes from like getting rid of your ego enough to just, and be vulnerable enough to just like, Say totally. what up to someone, meet someone new. Cause it's, you know, it's tough for a lot of people. For sure. And I, I really think it's that engagement. I think, you know, you're a lot more methodical and you see a lot of things differently than most people do. I think most people are emotional and I think that's what makes us people. That's what makes us human. And that's mm -hmm. an amazing thing. And breaking down those barriers uh, with experiences, engagement and communication, I think is a huge thing. And, you know, for example, you for the first time when I met you is you're like, hey, I see you all the time. What's your name? What's yeah. your name? What's up? What year was that? I was trying to think earlier today. Like, when it's did we first years, meet? Man. It's a couple of years. I feel like it was Cortez, maybe back in those days. Yeah, like 2016. So, yeah, somewhere around then, I think. So um, Thomas Scott was around a lot. Yeah, totally. Yeah, <laughs> me and Thomas had a um, a not for profit we did yeah. culture collective back then. So uh, yeah, it was. Those are really really you know, cool times that we were able to do that, but it really comes down to, I've worked in hospitality and in, in um, you know, sales and retail for, you know, over, like over 20 years. Mm -hmm. And these are things that uh, really comes down to barriers, building relationships and building positive experiences with people that they want to come back in, back in experience or do it again, or, you know, hold it in regard where it's something of value. And, mm -hmm. and, that's what you know. We want to continue to do is is build those relationships and those engagements and activations that connect people to the city we live in and the people around it. Love it. Well, I hear your phone blowing up, and I'm we've been sure. well over an hour here, so I'll let thanks. you go. But Chris, thanks so much for joining me. Awesome. I really appreciate it, and uh, best of luck in twenty twenty, and uh, we'll see you at church. Thanks, brother. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for tuning into the show. And, of course, huge thanks to Chris for making the time to join the ever-growing list of City Champions guests. One final word from our sponsors before we wrap up for today. The Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB, is happy to be partnering with Seat Giant to offer you a deal on tickets to major sporting events, big concerts, popular theater throughout North America, and more. Whether you're at home or on vacation, check Seat Giant for tickets to games, concerts, and pretty much anything else you might need a ticket for. Visit seatgiant.ca to find tickets. Use the promo code APN at checkout to get 50, 55% off your purchase. That is 5%, not 50. Uh, you'll save a bit and the network gets a little cut of the purchase too. All tickets are in Canadian dollars, uh, even for those events that are in the US. Seat Giant is a Canadian owned and operated and it guarantees every ticket. So help yourself to a great experience while helping the Alberta Podcast Network and a Canadian-owned business, and by proxy, of course, me, your, your gracious host, visit seatgiant.ca and use the offer code APN. That's it. We'll see you guys next time.